My favorite animal is the otter because Ooh. they're small Aww. and very cute and they sleep on their backs holding hands, but also mm-hmm. they... And they're delicious. <laughs> I would love to find out, uh, but I know that they brutally crack open shellfish in a way oh, yeah. that's surprisingly violent, so they oh. have, a, have an edge. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what else they do? This is going to hurt your... I, I might have told you this before, yeah, but they will take another otter's young and drown it like like push it oh, under no. the water until the parent shares food Jeez. wow <laughs> it's like horrific that's metal i, I thought you're gonna say that they rape like dolphins oh wow. whenever they somebody says the dolphins are their favorite animal i tell them that they they gang rape oh, yeah they're I was gonna they're say brutal. dolphin but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, i don't know um elephants why I think they're hilarious. Like, have you ever, like, anytime I see a gif of an <laughs> elephant, it's always, like, the best thing in the world. And they're, like, for, they're, like, ugly, goofy, cute, <laughs> but in, like, a great way. So they're not, like, they're not, like, I don't know, like a kitten that's, like, cute, but they have that cute factor in mm. different ways. Yeah. And one of my favorite facts about them is that the way that uh, we see puppies is the way elephants see humans, <laughs> which is just great. Oh. Like that, the elephants <laughs> like us so much like that. Oh. Does that mean that when we're bossing around elephants, like training them in a circus, um, they're only obeying for the same reason that like we obey puppies when they like jump that up and want to be held? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> just roll their eyes. All right. Okay, fine. I'll, okay. I'll climb on this giant ball. <laughs> I think my favorite animal is I think it's the condor because I like I know they're they're kind of gross but their wingspan have you seen like they they look like a pterodactyl like they have just this huge wingspan so you only care um, about wingspan is that uh yes <laughs> Are, weren't we doing favorite wingspan. <laughs> Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 26, The Druid Class. What is a druid? Druid. Mm. I always go back to the old historical, like, Celtic magician, sort of like, like, soothsayer, um... I don't know. Whenever I think of the druid, it took me a while for it to like be a D and D druid. Um, can you elaborate more on that, Jake? Because I don't know much about the historical druid. Yeah. So druids um, were discovered. Well, discovered. It, it's so weird because they didn't really keep any written um, written recordings or anything. So most of the recordings, the historical records of it, are from. The Roman Empire, um, getting to the British Isles um, and exploring, and uh, more so when they got into like Scotland and Ireland, they had they the locals, the natives, um, had all these weird traditions, and um, they were the Romans were pretty scared of them because they were just creepy and they seemed to, like cast curses and stuff and live deep, deep, deep in the woods. Um, but yeah, the Druids were typical like shaman, soothsayer, um, prophet, um, kind of the religious class of. Uh, of the the Celtic peoples, um, so that's I always thought of a druid like that. Um, kind of imagining looking like Alan Moore, just like <laughs> uh, huge beard and crazy yeah. hair um, with like a staff. Um, so it took me a while to be like, oh no, druids are the things that change into animals, and mm. you know they kind of have some of that historical yeah. background still there. Interesting, yeah, because my only experience of druids is uh, of the world of warcraft kind i was gonna say oh, yeah. that yeah. and uh specifically like hearthstones druid malfurion okay so <laughs> david with the lore dump <laughs> oh yeah. No. uh yeah so the, yeah I, I played a lot of druid in hearthstone just so all i think of them is just being able to make a lot of trees i think um the warcraft definition or the interpretation of them is a flexible caster because they can change into any role uh, yes and i think they kind of do that in in D as well yeah aren't they the only uh class that can be a tank a healer 
melee DPS and range DPS. Like they could be everything in D and D. Yeah, or well, in in World of Warcraft, but also for D and D, I think. Yeah, and they are. Uh, it used to be they were. Okay, I feel like we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about uh, World of Warcraft. Welcome to the Voxercana World of Warcraft special. Um, <laughs> I played on the Hyjal server back in uh, 2005. So, uh, so the new expansion's up. coming. <laughs> Haven't really played uh, in a while, but anyway, for the horde, uh, for the alliance, Jake, you can oh. you children, <laughs> <laughs> bullies. <laughs> um. But yeah, they could do everything, and they're pretty good at it. But we are talking about the D and D druid. Um, so I I think of a druid as an all natural spellcaster. The all natural part is just that they are connected to the land, into nature. Okay. There's mm-hmm. definitely mechanics inside Five E um, that tie you to a certain terrain type, kind mm-hmm. of like the ranger, because um, it's the same. Obviously, there's only so many types of terrain in the world, unless you're in a Star Wars type universe. I don't know where that Even came from. Then. <laughs> Even then, <laughs> the whole planet no is planet. just one train type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then the spellcasting, they have a very unique slice of spells. There are a lot of spells in 5e. Um, but these are going to be direct damage, debuffs, area effect, area control, and healing. So um, their, their selection is very wide compared to a normal um, arcane caster that's not going to have access to, he- to healing. Or a pure cleric who's going to be more buffs and healing. Um, they are the bringer of balance. This is based on some text from the player's handbook. And that their whole goal is to um, be this conduit of um, bringing nature into balance with uh, civilization, I guess you might say. So mm-hmm. um, historically, if you think of a druid, they would be alignment neutral because they are this um, protector of law and of chaos, like not overbearing the mm. other. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like it would almost be more chaos though because of nature being more chaotic. Is that well? True, usually, or? I would I imagine them. They're typically neutral, but they tend to be like the opposite of what the society is trying to bring it towards the middle. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. So they're like the 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 devil's advocate for the other side, almost, Maybe. where they're just trying to pull the other ones like to the middle. Yeah, so when you think of a druid in a city, they could be, like, a chaotic eco-terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think of them in, like, the woods or, like, in the Underdark, they're going to be kind of bringing a semblance of order yeah. to that that chaos. So, yeah, I feel like they just kind of pull it whatever way to get to the midpoint, to get to balance. <clears throat> and I think they would be viewed as something more chaotic. Um so I just had this idea of, do you remember in World of Warcraft, in the city of Stormwind, there was a Druid <laughs> district? Uh, well, the, the new Waterdeep book came out, um, I think, Friday, this last Friday. Oh, it's so good. I have not read it. But I'm do, Jake, if you've read it, is there any part of Waterdeep that's more like a grove for Druids? Let me get the map out. <sighs> let, me, let me just bust out this map. Um, there's, there's some parks. Um, and gardens, and there is a, the City of the Dead, which is like a huge graveyard kind of forest. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of parks and stuff. So you could probably shoehorn some sort of druidic society oh, into one of those. Wow, I'm just looking at the map for the first time. There's a lot going on here. It's been really strange for me, to be honest, because I have Waterdeep. Waterdeep has been a part of my world since its inception. Um... But I didn't – I kind of had my own canon of its layout in my head. Hmm. And so having the official canon layout of Waterdeep, I'm like, oh, weird. Oh, that's so – that's not how I envisioned where the Yawning Portal was. Like, but it's – yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. Hmm. In in uh, my campaign, there's uh, – in the new Waterdeep campaign that I'm going to run next month, starting next month, um, there's a group of druids, a circle of druids um, called the Green Fingers. And they're essentially eco-terrorists. <laughs> they're, they're like, they don't like the industrialized society um, and all these new tinker shops uh, rising with smokestacks, you know, polluting the uh, oh. urban druids. The druid, as we mentioned, can shapeshift, which Ooh. I think is probably one of the most interesting aspects of just a druid in general as a person who could transform. It's, it's the best utility It's such a ever. powerful skill to have. I think think we'll have some stories about how our players have creatively transformed into things um, later in the show. Yes. Um, 
just before we go on, um, I'm thinking of stories and I can't think of many because I've only had one druid in my games and he was a guy that came every other week and we only played for like a month. So yeah, druids are the least played class in my games. Are they pretty common for you guys? I feel like I've had one in every, or in almost every campaign I've run. I've had a lot of druids in my games and I'm, I just, I get disgusted by them. (laughs) I want to know why in a second, but um, before I forget, Whenever players say that they want to play druids, I try to steer them away, much oh. in the same way Jake steers people away from wizards, because druids have the most bookkeeping. Because not only do yeah. you have spells to choose now, but you have animal forms to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so I would it's almost like if you're starting out, um, if you haven't got printed materials, you're just going to give the monster manual to the druid player. Yeah. And say so you, pl- you can play any CR1 creature that can't swim or fly. And it's, oh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't experienced that. I'm excited for this episode because I don't I feel like it's going to be you guys teaching me some stuff. Ah, yeah. what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, really, like the wizard, we had such a good discussion on because you didn't. It was sort of like a question to answer. So definitely, like, let's <laughs> lean into that. Yeah, I don't like druids because they have so much bookkeeping, like for starters. Um, and as a new DM, like when I started DMing, I had druids in my games and they would always just do things that would somehow like defeat any of my plans and it would just be really like for me it was frustrating even though like it it i feel like it probably made me better because i had to adapt but it's mm-hmm. it was just like kind of annoying because they had it seemed like every single trick up their sleeve and i mm-hmm. just couldn't do anything to challenge the druids at low levels huh. so but other than that like druids are okay <laughs> druids are okay <laughs> i'm uh, excited yeah. So, yeah. druids are also an aloof loner. If you don't know what the word aloof means, Google it. Uh, but it means just what you think. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, yeah, I think that's probably why a lot of my characters are wary to play the druid because it's it's I don't know it's it's got some of the problems that the ranger um, has that like it's it can work as a cool concept, but it's it takes a little more legwork. To get them into more of a charismatic role-playing manner, because that typically they're just kind of crazy wood people. <laughs> yeah, and if they're if you play them as this hermit who doesn't know much about society and um, you know is a loner, then it can be antagonistic. Um, but with the people we play with, it's usually not an issue because they're great. Hmm. I would also mention that they are what I'm calling woods smart woods smart it's not street smart it's woods smart <laughs> yo you got those wood smarts <laughs> <laughs> so it would be fun to have a druid who knows a particular area of the world very well like a wood a forest um yeah it can be a tour guide yo you don't go to that side of the forest that's the bark gang side <laughs> that's the the red bark district <laughs> the red bark district uh, oh, so now that i think about it i remember during our monk class i was saying I, I want to include more monk NPCs because I just don't naturally have monk NPCs. But I do have a quite a bit of druid NPCs hmm. because uh, they do work kind of as a tour guide for areas, you know? Oh. And I, I really, yeah, I've had a decent amount of druid NPCs because they're not common among classes that my players want to play as. Um, but they they work really well. It's like, I know this forest really well. Over there, you'll see Follow the me. nestling treants. <laughs> Don't disturb them. I'm picturing the Jungle Cruise ride from Disneyland. Yes, that's what I was yeah. thinking. He just makes like cheesy puns the whole time. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, um, Looks like he's barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> you should be a tour guide, David. I would really love that. Dude, dude, I should. That sounds like fun. They're making a Jungle Cruise movie. <laughs> yes, you know, with I, The Rock. I think. Oh okay, gosh. listen, listen. Okay, if they can make a movie about the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and not only have a like one decent movie and two okay movies, then I think Jungle Cruise is probably a stronger theme than Pirates. <laughs> I don't know. Pirates are pretty inherently. That's true. Interesting. A jungle tour doesn't seem. That dude, funny. I'm hella hyped now that they would. <laughs> Because it's like, they have literally anything that they could do with that movie. Yeah. There's no pre-written material. There's no lore. I'm hyped. <laughs> and it has The Rock, like, <laughs> sign me up. 
Oh, <sighs> all right. The Rock be my tour guide any day of the week. Uh, I mean, he made Jumanji really good. Apparently, I haven't seen it yet. God, I same. can't believe that movie was good. It was though. <laughs> I was like mad. I was like, God, why is this so? I wanted to hate watch it, but it was just too good. Grudgingly, had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> when you were building your druid character, um. If you're not sure how to roleplay them, Xanathars once again has great resources in the form of random tables that will help you think about your druid's place in the world. So uh, let's step into the random table talk chamber. Let's roll right in. <laughs> let's roll right in. And, uh, and we'll roll on some tables. <clears throat> All right. The first is the treasured item. It says some druids carry one or more items that are sacred to them or have a deep personal significance. Um, Jake, roll a d6 for me. Uh, five. Your treasured item is a rattle made from a dried gourd and holly berries. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Hmm. So when you walk, it rattles. Ugh. That makes sense, though. That fits. I, I think that's creepy enough that in, um, in a spooky campaign, you could have a villain rattle when they walk. Or, or maybe have a cult. Oh, You can yes. hear them in the distance. Oh, you can hear them moving towards oh. you. It's like that, kind of a rattlesnake. Yeah, but they don't bother to hide it because they're more powerful than you and it won't matter. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. Well, also, apparently this table works for generating um, creepy traits for villains. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move into the guiding aspect. Xanathars says, Many druids feel a strong link to a specific aspect of the natural world, such as a body of water, an animal, a type of tree, or some other sort of plant. I'm going to pause here and say that um, my sister worked as a florist for a long time, and mm. she's very offended when I call flowers plants. <laughs> Wait, wh- why? How are they not the same? Um, it's refer- <laughs> So there's there's a lot going on with, with all kinds of, um, I guess plant is the only word I can use, uh, flowers and, and bits and bobs. Vegetation. Yeah, vegetation. Vegetation. Um, and calling it a plant is sort of just disrespectful i think it's it's a broad <laughs> categorization that's not helpful to a florist <laughs> it's disrespectful it's, it's like calling us primates even though that's like a, an objectively true term <laughs> i mean i'm, it's I'm like, okay you... with being a primate <laughs> well that's good david <laughs> <laughs> all right uh day jake roll me a d6 to determine your guiding aspect two an oak tree represents strength and vitality. Meditating under an oak fills your body and mind with resolve and fortitude. Ooh, I like it. Hmm, that makes I like me, it. Remember that spirit tree from the Avatar film where they, they oh, plug yeah, their, yeah, yeah. their USBs into the, the roots? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, the issue that I see here is that you have this cool backstory, and then the campaign has you travel across the world, so you'll never get to interact yeah. Yeah. with your oak tree. Or maybe well, like every oak, oak tree trees. in the world is tied to it somehow. That's kind of yeah. cool. It has like roots it's like that... the trees in Game of Thrones, like the yeah. the like the red with yeah. the white the white oak tree things or the old gods. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a pretty druidic religion. Oh yeah, the um, old gods in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And and if you notice like cuz uh Westeros is supposed to be like the British Isles. Um if you go north, that's where like Scotland um and like Ireland, where where the the more Celtic old religions oh. druids would be, oh, so that, that makes fits. Sense. Yeah, hmm. that I w- fits. I wonder if George Martin is trying to create British um, mythology because there is none. What? <laughs> no, I mean really, like it was it was destroyed, and so there's really no uh, yeah. cultural heritage there. Like Beowulf. Well, he um he's talking about uh, he's talking about he. He said it's kind of like a War of the Roses analog, but yeah, it really is interesting how there's... I'm actually doing a historian podcast on that eventually. How It's going to be called Post-Apocalyptic, and oh. it's going to be when the Roman Empire left England. Like, there was just old, rotting palaces and, like, uh, like old aqueducts abandoned, and none of the people knew how to use them anymore. Oh, like, no. it was literally post-apocalyptic. That's so weird. That's fascinating. Yeah. The final table from Xanathar's is the Mentor. Um, it's not unusual for would-be druids to seek out or to be sought out by instructors or elders who teach them the basics of their magical arts. Another d6, please. Three. Your tutor always interacted with you in the form of a falcon, and you never saw their humanoid form. Oh, that's Ooh. so cool. Mm. Oh, so that's it's like... 
anytime you see like a bird flying overhead, you're like, oh, is that is that my mentor? Is that Falcor? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're That's interacting like, with a druid in the real world, and they're like the villain, and they were your mentor. Oh, weird. Because you never knew their oh. true humanoid form. Wasn't there a table for the bard or some something um, from Xanathar's where... No, it was the monk. Um, and yeah. the the monk mentor was... A, or the villain has a personal relationship with you for some reason. So this kind of hooks into that. Yeah, that's... that's I like the idea of any animal you see that could be a druid. Like, there really isn't a distinguishing... Right? Like, they don't glow at color or something. No. Like, they look like the animal. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, so the druid has several interesting core features, the first of which is the sacred plants and woods. So what is that, Will? Um, I didn't even know this existed um, until I was reading through the player's handbook. It's not really a class feature. Um, Sometimes at the start of the class chapters, they will give you some really useful flavors to help inform your player decisions. Um, Sacred Plants and Woods just says that you, as a druid, you really hold um, certain plants and, and woods. Um, you hold them sacred because they represent different things. And they give you a breakdown of what that means. And so um, it explains, like, if you make a staff out of a certain type of wood, that's for this reason. Oh, that, I like that. I like someone, um, almost, I'm thinking kind of Ron Swanson or just like any woodcutter knowing like all the different woods, sometimes even by smell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that'd be really cool for a druid to just like kind of point out the random meaning behind like every building's construction and like the spiritual nature behind the specific wood. I feel like that could be oh, interesting. Awesome. That yeah, that would be really dope. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. That's hard to do, man. You gotta. I don't know. I feel like being a druid takes a lot of like role playing. You can't just you can't easily put your mind into the mind of a druid because it's so foreign. Well, I think that um, just like any rule or suggestion in D&D, you take as much as you want from what they've written. So as my, yeah. like, if I was to make a druid, I probably wouldn't focus as much on um, sacred plants and wood. Um, but it's there if you're kind of failing or struggling to get a hold of what it means to be a druid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have a section that I didn't mention um, called Druids and the Gods, and it gives you a breakdown of, like, here's how Druids interact with gods in your world, and it gives you a bunch of different gods from uh, Eberron, Greyhawk, and the Forgotten Realms. So if you want to read that, go ahead. Druids also have access to nature-themed spells, um, though, if I'm being honest, you can flavor any spell to almost any theme you need. Um, That's true, But they get yeah. things such as animal friendship, beast bond. Bark skin bark skin uh there's this one's cool it's called awaken where you just imbue um sentience into some natural thing such as a tree or a shrub <laughs> um so i think it'd be funny to have a forest where a druid has just spent like a hundred years awakening every single thing oh weird yeah oh just, they just awaken me... the forest oh that's giving me such good ideas for my uh for the green finger, the eco terrorist druid circle. They just awaken a whole building. <laughs> yeah, they, they, like they they just go around awakening like just wood. Any wooden object suddenly oh. just starts growing again and growing bark and leaves and twigs off of it. Oh, and that's like cool. All, all the industrialists are just so mad. They're like, stop! We need to. <laughs> you're ruining our construction. And they oh. they make a bunch of uh, what is it the the mechs the mech people? Oh, warforged. The, yeah, to fight them. So it's like warforged versus like oh. plant. Oh, plants. They yeah. have a full-scale war almost. <laughs> like nature versus like machine. Oh, yeah. what a great theme. That's so cool. And that's okay guys, we just looked at one spell and we have a whole campaign <laughs> story. <Planned> out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the kind of stuff that druids have access to. Dripping with flavor. And and sap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is my favorite. Wild shape. Ooh. So wild shape. Yeah, Wild Shape is a shapeshift. Um, it's pretty low-powered as a core feature, uh, but we'll point out stuff later that makes it much more desirable. Um, at level 2, when you unlock it, you can only transform into a, a very, very low-level creature that cannot swim or fly. I think the best one to start off, I think it's an elk, right, is the best? Yeah. Like, mechanically? So, yep. So if you're looking for combat stats, sure, but being able to like be a small animal... Oh useful. yeah, is like for, for scouting. Yeah, like um, 
the first time I ever played with a druid, they we started the game in some um, it was like a slaver's pit. Yeah, they, they were uh-huh. in a hole, and the druid is changed into a rat or a cockroach or something, and he just was able to get into like he gets under any door, he gets into any secret <laughs> meeting, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. That was in one of the games that I was running, and it just yeah, there's not a lot that you can do. No. I just I'm just like oh like that that's it. And if they if the NPCs notice and stomp the cockroach, they're gonna just turn back into a druid. Yeah. Oh, is that how it works? It's yeah. not like Inception. If you die in the dream, you die in real life. That no. would like, be an interesting house rule to kind of balance it. Um, but it would also really suck if you change into like a peregrine falcon, <laughs> an arrow hits you, and your your ninth level character is dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Normally you would just normally you would just change back into yourself. Yeah. At full health, or do you take the damage? Yeah, full health, full and health. any excess damage carries over. What? Yeah. That's, that's, th- wow, that's way better than I thought. Yeah. It's super good. So it's really hard to challenge a druid in combat early on, just because, like, you're a bear, they and have you have 42 health, and then you die, health. and you still have, like, 12 health. And then, and then you, you change into a bear again. <laughs> into a bear. What the? F- wow. Yeah. It's, it's I thought, really cool. I thought you died... No. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. So, I house rule that. That's so good. There's one tactic I've seen where... Um, that isn't the rules, Jake. You don't have to. <laughs> that's that's how it works. Um, when I no, did, no, no. I've, I'm, no, I'm saying I would not allow that in my house. Oh, oh would, my gosh. I would make them die. Because that, come on. No, so what, what Jake's doing here, audience, is he is changing a rule without seeing it in action. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a classic DM fallacy. Where it's like you assume <laughs> that your game will be broken, but I recommend just try it. Like, yeah, just try it. Well, that requires one of my players wanting to be a druid. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. That that is interesting. If you're listening, Jake's players, everyone should be a druid. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> There's one strategy I've seen um, with druids where I um, maybe it requires two druids, but anyway. You fly up high. Oh, no. Because one druid can do this. Yes. One strategy I've seen as a druid is you fly out over a battlefield as a falcon or something. And then you turn into a bear or some heavy thing, like an elephant. And you fall oh. onto the enemy. And you crush them. And it'll kill your animal form and probably hurt you a little bit in your real form. But you don't die. <laughs> and they do. Because, <laughs> I mean, imagine getting hit by, like, a two-ton elephant. Like, Yeah, you're not walking away. <laughs> you can't walk you're that off, walking. kid. <laughs> You're not, yeah, you're not alive. Um, so that's, that's just some really interesting game-breaking interactions that the druid can have, just with uh, oh, even yeah. this low-level form. Whew. So as we mentioned, it could be a tedious bit of bookkeeping to track down your druid shapes you can be in the monster manual, but Xanathar's, blessedly, has a very handy set of tables that shows all level-appropriate animal forms sorted by their terrain type. So usually there's, neat. there's around a dozen or less creatures for each terrain type, but you just go here, you look at it, and um, you can quickly see what you can transform into. It is a godsend. Yeah. Bless. L- at level two, you get your druid circle, which we'll talk about later. These are your class specializations. Yeah, your subclasses. Um, the core features are not, there's not a lot of them, I'm noticing. So this, we're almost done here. Um, at a higher level, you get timeless body. For every 10 years that pass, your body only ages one year, oh, which is pretty cool because interesting. normally elves and dwarves um, and basically anybody who's not a human live the longest. But as a human druid or um, any other kind of race, you could live a darn long time. Yeah. Imagine an elf druid. Dude, yeah. you, forever. So I'm reading through the entire Lord of the Rings for the first time in my life. Uh-huh. And there's a character in there named Tom Bombadil Ugh. who was never... Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, isn't he like this obnoxious character? No, um, he's obnoxious because Lord of the Rings fans talk about him like he's some lost thing that wasn't involved in the movies. That's like... I'm oh, sorry. yeah, it's like the... <laughs> well, so I read, a, I read the chapter that he's in and he says that he's basically as old as the planet. And I'm like, what? How does this work? So I, I Googled it, not patient enough to wait for the Silmarillion... And uh, it's an unsolved mystery. Tolkien never explained what he is. He doesn't fit into the cosmology of Lord of the Rings at all. He's a a totally different thing with no explanation. And um, I think that a druid could live theoretically forever. If you're an elf druid and you're, anyway, you're like 10,000 years old. Um, then like you that's have a long period of time. <laughs> I think you'd be insane, and then you'd, you would have to sing happy songs. Like, like you would see to civilizations to just 
rise and fall and yep. rise and fall over and over again. Yeah. Seems like a great basis for a character in a book. Oh. Tom Bombadil. me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, after Timeless Body, you get beast spells. I, I just call it beast mode because it's great. Um, and it means you can cast... Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> you can cast spells when you're transformed into a beast as long as oh that's cool as long as it doesn't require a speaking component a verbal component <laughs> bark, oh bark. yeah <laughs> oh that's cool it's, it's like uh i'm mad i'm imagining just like a panther like uh moving his hands together <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> um yeah or you have some weird animal casting call lightning on a group of people. <laughs> like a turtle. You have an otter. Lightning <laughs> <laughs> um, bolt. Lightning. And then at your ultimate form, um, you get Arch Druid. Unlimited wild shapes every day. And you can now cast all spells in animal form with some with very few restrictions. Basically, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. As long as it doesn't cost money for the so, material component, you can yeah. cast it. So what is the wild shape? Uh, how many times can you do it? That's a great question, Jake. It's limited based off of your like wisdom modifier and your level or Wild height. So it says, um, but yeah, so basically you're going to get twice a day because all that changes about wild shape as you level up is your the power level of creatures you can change into, but it's still only twice a day. And then at Arch Druid level, level 19 or 20, uh, you can use it for as much as you want. Hmm. So you would just always be an animal in combat. You'll never... Take damage. Yeah. Yeah, jeez. Unless I can one-shot through your animal form and your freaking human form. Yeah. Or maybe you'd have, you have a villain with a special item that's like true damage. I think that's a League of Legends thing. And he hits both of your, your forms at once. Ooh. That's cool. Or you could have um, just use anti-magic shell and then they're knocked out of it. Yeah. Oh, like beholders oh. have that cone of like anti-magic. Yeah. So anytime a druid oh, like, just, steps in oh. front of it, it like you would burn up their players, shapes. Oh yeah, my players just the fought. I was watching. Uh, I think they're the best villain. They're not villain, but best enemy because there's, oh, so there's so much challenging. creativity. Um, oh, they're so hard to fight. They yeah. Uh, I was watching Matt Mercer and like they would like anytime that it would like look at one of their casters, they just like would be useless and then would probably like. They had to have like a really high chance of going down because they they can't react to the beams because when you're in that null magic zone, like you can't use any magic to protect you from the yeah. the like mage armor. You yeah. can't use Jeez. yeah shield. Oh man, it's so it was so fun when they were fighting it because um, whenever they would cut off an eye stalk, uh, I'd have them roll a d10 and then I'd look and it'd be like, okay, you just got rid of the immobilization ray. Um, mm. And so they would, they were like trying to get rid of like the two. The disintegration one. The disintegration yeah. ray. <laughs> oh, That's so scary. I made my players fight a uh, low level. I forget. There's like nine kinds of beholders in, yeah. across all the published products right that now. One's, and like, it, it was a good. zombie beholder. Yeah. And yeah. They, they're just insane. And I mean, they're all insane. But anyway, he only has like two or three like very weakened eye stocks. And this is a party of like third or fourth level players. And they ran. Like, they just scattered because they couldn't <laughs> kill it. Well, I was in there, and I'm like, we could try to fight this. And then it, like, almost one-shot one of our players. And I'm like, we gotta run. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and talk about the subclasses for the druid, because there are a lot of them. So they're all based around the circles. So the first one we have is the circle of the land. So this one is the uh, kind of the classic druid. They're going to be made up of more like the sage type people. And it's definitely focused more on recovering spell slots, um, learning new cantrips. You're getting additional spells that you can cast. Uh, it's So it's, it's more of a casting type subclass. So it focuses on like being able to um, cast spells much more often because the druid has a pretty limited spell pool even though they can cast up to ninth level spells they don't get as many or can cast as often as other classes like the wizard or you know the bard hmm. yeah this specialization is more focused on spells and less on shape-shifting so all druids can shape-shift in some limited fashion uh, but these guys are just spell powerhouses 
So, and some of the other interesting things that they get is that they're immune to charms and being frightened from elementals and fey. And then they also gain immunity to poison and disease. Hmm. Now, I know for me, a lot of those don't come up often, but if they do in your games, like... They do on Chult, man. Yeah, if you're you're in the swamps of Chult, then, like, being a druid could be pretty useful. Yeah, that's... A, um, yeah. And then the like the the high level ability that they get is nature's sanctuary. So beasts and plants don't want to attack you and have to make wisdom saves, or else they miss. So you're just you <laughs> you're so ingrained into nature that any sort of like beast or animal is like hesitant to attack you. That's really I love cool. That. That's so yeah. yeah. That's super flavorful. You're that you're like so tied into the land that like. <laughs> Things that want to attack you. And they also have access to like easier traveling, which is useful if you're traveling a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do do each of the subclasses pick a terrain or like the so, ranger's favorite terrain or no? I think with the circle of the land, you get a specific terrain that you would choose from. So you mm-hmm. choose like Arctic or coast and desert and you get spells that correspond with that type of terrain. So, for That's instance, cool. the desert would get, at uh, third level, you get blur and silence. At fifth level, you would get create food and water and protection from energy. And then at seventh level, you would get blight and hallucinatory terrain. And then at ninth level, you get insect plague and wall of stone, hmm. which are all very, like, deserty, flavorful spells. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. go really well with, you know, that expanded spell pool so that you can cast more spells as you are. That's what your class is focusing on. Or that subclass is. I'm trying to huh. see. Um, I feel like the way we ran it is that when you made your druid, you choose what terrain you're from. Because um, we we said that you can change it into any animal from that terrain type. But I'm not seeing it in the, the rules right now. So um, I was going to talk about this later, but I guess I'll talk about it now. One of the interesting things that I've thought of for wild shaping, which would be a fun house rule, is... Unless you're a circle of the land, you can only transform into an animal of the terrain type you are currently in. Oh, interesting. Oh, huh. So if you're in a desert, Back. you can only transform into desert animals. If you're in a, if you're mm. in like a swamp, you could be swamp animals like alligators and stuff. That'd be more flavorful and fun. Yeah, it's that. It, it would. That is. It cool. might hit the players in power at certain you know instances, but it could be a fun house rule if you hmm. want to do that just so that I, you're you're forcing the players to make like less optimal decisions but mm-hmm. but they it's like it's you can be a beast from you know this terrain and then I'm, like your I'm, home turf like you can be that type of animal at any point in time okay so, yeah i'm really seeing the huge difference between like because i'm always thinking of druids in the woods yeah. but like i'm thinking of like a desert druid mm-hmm. or like a tundra like or a or water snow. druid druid yeah an aqua druid like all those are really weird yeah and cool yeah i really like that house roll david i might uh, implement that in my own game because it'd be it'd be fun and you'd get them to transform into different things more often yeah. rather than just yeah. being i'm always the highest optimal damage dealing you know creature what if we take it one step further and if you're a circle of the land um you can also only cast spells corresponding to the land you're in because then you're that would be hard yeah That'd be hard. it would be but they just have to go that would really table. limit you know the amount of power well, that why don't we just have. take their spells away <laughs> well, they would have like different <laughs> tools take away their feet <laughs> you'd have to expand those spells just and lose all their body hair just only just their keep subtracting weird stuff. right but it's not their core spells but you have their core and then you would have access to these depending on where you are Oh, depending upon... Oh, yeah, see. okay. I thought you meant like you can only cast spells of it, but when you're in that terrain, you mm-hmm. can cast spells. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I actually love that <laughs> because that's because it unlocks different things when you're in different terrains. Like if you're in a swamp, you can cast darkness or acid arrow. But if you're in, you know, the underdark, you can cast like web or gaseous form or stinking cloud. It's, it's almost like... Um, that's really cool. Isn't there an X-Men character like who evolves based on... Damage he takes. I think his name is Darwin. Oh, he was Wolverine. In... <laughs> <laughs> um, but you would have this kind of. I think there is. A, oh, it is Darwin. Yeah. There's a. I think it's called the, the Circle of Evolution or something. It was yeah. like an Arcana. I believe I could be making this up. Um, where you 
just sort of adapt constantly to your environment. And I think That's that cool. you could just house rule in small ways and, and make I a circle would love of land. That house rule. Do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Because it, yeah. Cause then you don't even have to choose and it's just wherever you're at, you get access to different spells and that, that feels really cool mm-hmm. because as you're traveling, you just, yeah, that, that's awesome. I love that. David approved. David approved. Give that stamp. Um, so that is circle of the land. Next is a circle of the moon. This is really leaning into that wild shape. So if, uh, I'm calling this one the Animorph. Yes. <laughs> because you're just always going to be a beast. So uh, they improve your combat wild shape at low levels. Um, that just gives you more transformations. And it increases the level of the CR of the creature you're transforming into. Which to me, those two things alone increase your power level by a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, it also makes your claw attacks become magical, which is great. Because uh, even at like mid-levels... Stuff becomes very resistant to Wait, non-magical attacks. Just claws? Uh, I mean, like, however your beast attack. It says oh, your okay. beast attacks. <laughs> I mean... I'm imagining a rhino horn, like, not going through armor that's magic, <laughs> but the claws are just scratching through. <laughs> um, this one, I have... So, as I've said before, there's a lot in the player's handbook that apparently I've never read. Yeah. Because at higher levels, you get elemental wild shape. You can turn oh, yeah. into any of the four base elementals. So it's fire, earth, wind, and water. So cool. What's really cool is that as the earth elemental, you can travel through like dirt and <laughs> underground because you're freaking dirt. So you, you just kind of like phase through the <laughs> you, dirt. You are dirt. So yeah. So like if you're if you it's like hey I need to go through this wall like boop like I I just travel through it because I'm an earth elemental. And you booped it. Yeah. Boop. <laughs> or just flow into a river and like travel across the ocean. Oh, oh like that's what? so cool. <laughs> Man, so that is, um, oh, and then finally at the highest level, you get the ability to cast the spell Alter Self. Um, so now, even when you're not in animal form, you can change your physical body to look however you want it to look. Oh, that's okay. I'm telling you, Animorphs. Animorphs. I would change into a Scorpion. I, I wish I they... Like most top. <laughs> <laughs> Be gone. Yeah, I wish Animorph memes would come back. Can, can, we, can we get our followers to do that? Just post, post an Animorph. On our on our Instagram page or Twitter, and we'll go in return. We'll give you one like. Yeah, um, I <laughs> one updoot. I don't promise that. <laughs> it has to be a pretty good meme. It has to be good. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, take Circle of Dreams. Circle of Dreams is the next in line, and it's really strange. Um, it cap capitalizes on that notion of elven magic being strange and alien and um, powerful. So this is from Xanathar's. This gives you access to, um, I guess, in the D&D lore, there's a lot of thematic callbacks to these different types of fey elves that re- that they go with different seasons, uh, and your abilities from this class tie to that. So the first ability you unlock is called the Balm of the Summer Court, and it works almost like the bard dice that you give to other people, but these are used to heal. So you have a small pool of D6s, I think, and uh, you give that to people. They roll it, and they heal that much. So, so they kind of healers yeah like a little off but heel. it's not interesting so this one is from uh xanathar's though so there's only two uh circles or subclasses in the original book that's right huh interesting i know it's but they're they're so detailed I, yeah they are i feel like they they, they fit both things you would want to do with the truth. just fat yeah they're they're really beefy um this one is <laughs> so cool so this is next for circle of dreams it's called hearth of moonlight and shadow you cast this this weird sphere of darkness. When your allies are in it, it makes it very easy for them to hide, and they get a bonus when they see out of it. Oh! So you just place this around your camp, and no one can see in, but you can oh, see out, and you can stealth cool. easily. That's cool. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, next, they have hidden paths, such as a sixty foot teleport. Um, what I really like about this is the theming. They say you tra- you find hidden magical pathways that some fae use to traverse space in a blink of an eye so it's like you can see the upside down in the real world right like you're seeing the fae world and you say oh i'll take this path and i fold space and here i am yeah oh i love that Mm -hmm. uh and the last ability they get is called walker in dreams uh it says after you cast a short rest or after you after a short rest you can cast the spells dream scrying or teleportation circle so I guess you wake up and you feel the need for spells. I'm getting a lot of Sandman vibes from this. Oh, like yeah. Just kind of weird, strange, almost Cthulian. I love it. Yeah, I would see, um, if I was to play this as a character, 
it would be a very odd person. So not very, ju- not yeah. just aloof, but just like they're disconnected from reality in such a way yeah. that they they exist in a dreamlike state at all times. Yeah, almost like they oh, occasionally like disappear into the fae, so they're like phasing in between reality. Yeah, maybe I'd do that on critical fails where they just Ooh. they just go away somewhere, and it's not necessarily yeah. to to like be a drawback, but it just fits that theme that they like lost themselves for a moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Circle of the Shepherd is next. Ooh. This is the animal lover. Oh, yeah. Um, Love me some animals. I love eating some animals. Uh, So they. (laughs) I love animals in all their forms, cooked and uncooked. Cooked? I don't like raw animals. (laughs) I like petting raw animals. (laughs) (laughs) What? All right. um, (laughs) The Circle of the Shepherd can speak to beasts and fake creatures and be understood. Very fun. Um, They get this new mechanic, uh, the spirit totem, that takes the form of a bear, a hawk, or a unicorn. The classic trifecta of animals. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that totem buffs allies with an appropriate kind of uh, themed buff. Um, You eventually improve your totem, um, and you improve your animal summons. So there's some spells. I think there's summon woodland creatures and summon fae. Oh, yeah. And you get just a whole bunch of weak creatures or a very small number of very strong creatures and these just get better um and then uh this one's cool it's at the very end of their career they get faithful summons so when you hit zero health the spell conjure animals is automatically cast and those animals that you choose um attempt to protect you from harm i love that (laughs) this is like the end of the pokemon movie Oh man, so that's I, awesome. I would um, either have like some, I don't know, Snow White type woodland creatures like crowd around you me. You see like a thousand squirrels, yeah, just run out from the forest, and they like pick up your body and carry you to safety. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then on D and D Beyond, I found the Circle of Spores, which is currently an unearthed Arcana class, so they might change some of the mechanics. Or just remove it completely, because we've seen that happen too. Um, this one really has me interested. Ooh. Yeah. So the Circle of yeah. Spores, it deals with life and death. Because as you know, spores and fungus cannot exist. Actually, um, fungus, fungus grows on dead things. I don't know about spores. Fungus is among us. All right. Busting oh, okay. The... <laughs> All right. <Oof>. Um, <laughs> Got to recover. <laughs> <laughs> God. Isn't that from Magic School Bus? Like, that's so old. I don't even know. Wait, what was the kid's name who made that pun? Carlos? Like it's, yeah, Carlos. Carlos. It's a deodorant. <laughs> Carlos. Oh, stupid Carlos. Oh. Uh, may he rest in peace. <laughs> what? In my extended universe Magic School oh, no. Bus fan fiction. Uh, when the kids become adults, uh, there's a really tragic school bus accident. Oh, um, no. And uh, it, it killed the whole class. <laughs> what, a, what a strange fan <laughs> You know, I'm sure it exists. Um, all right. So the Circle of Spores focuses on life and death, and that gives you access to spells that are thematically appropriate to that. Um, they completely change wild shape. So instead of turning into an animal, it says, um, I don't know if it, if you must or if you may. Okay, so when you use Wild Shape, instead of turning into an animal, you can now infuse your body with spores, which gives you temporary health, and you can kind of, um, if you get close to enemies, they take small amounts of damage from your spores. I love this. Yeah, I see. So if you remember in um, The Last of Us, when you go into heavily yes. spore-infested yes. areas, I just see that. Yeah. Um, it's like that greenish uh, yellow yeah. kind of dots. What I, no, what I'm imagining is um, like Pirates of the Caribbean, the people on uh, the uh, uh, what's his face's ship? Davy Jones. Davy Jones ship, how they have all of that like um, stuff on them, like barnacles and stuff. But instead of that, it's like sh- like spores oh. and mushrooms. And it gets the better, fungus. guys, because the spores are going to grow. Oh. Um, so uh, that is your... Halo of Spores. This is what that's called. Okay. At level two, you get Symbiotic Entity. Um, you can now use your spores to um, make... They Instead of doing three damage, they do 1d6 damage to any target they hit. 
So it's already like a lot better. And then um, you get fungal infestation. If your spores kill something, you raise it up as a zombie. Oh, but it's not really a zombie. It's like a spore zombie. Oh. Um, and then eventually you get spreading spores. It says you can throw your fungal spores 30 feet away where they swirl in a 10-foot cube for one minute. So you just cast them away from you and you have this area uh, effect. Oh, that I, I'm really liking this. It has one hit point. And then the final ability is called Fungal Body, which I think is when you go full-blown um, Last of Us, like your head is... Cordyceps. Yeah, yeah, you're a cordyceps monster. Um, it just means that you are immune to blinded, deafened, frightened, poisoned, and crits don't deal any extra damage to you. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's just dripping with sporish flavor. Oh, oh. I'd love that. That's cool. Yep. What, what did the uh, What did the circle of spores druid say when he was kicked out of the party? I don't know. Carlos. Hey, I'm a fun guy. Oh no, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fun guy. All right. Um, no, that, that meme is just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, all right. So. Now we've seen all of the things that a druid can do. How would we improve the druid? Huh. Well, we have the uh, the kind of house rules that we talked about. Yeah. So for the circle of land um, and for wild shaping, if you're in that terrain, which allows for you can only use like the spells from that terrain for uh, your circle of the land. Instead of getting you choose one, it's whatever whatever your trainer and determines. Your bonus. That would be same thing with shapes. It would be more interesting in a campaign where you're traveling a lot. Um, oh yeah. If you're like if for example, just, if you're just playing Waterdeep Adventure and you're in, I think it counts as coastal. Um, mm-hmm. Then obviously you wouldn't see much happen. It wouldn't be useful. No. Huh. I think for me, how to improve the druid? Um, just giving the player access to more cool animals. Um, in my world, uh, it just got kind of interconnected with. Uh, Chult and that jungle exotic terrain. So some of the more exotic monsters from that book, or like dinosaurs, like allowing them to to like a druid that just turns into dinosaurs. Like that's super cool. That's I cool. think just giving them cool uh, monsters that they can turn into, like not necessarily animals, but maybe more monsters. Or even I'm thinking tr- like homebrewing, like some Lovecraftian monstrosities Ooh. that you could turn into. Mm. Like, that aren't necessarily, like, super OP, uh, but they're balanced enough that you turn in just this this ball of tentacles or something. Um, like, oh, I feel like that that could be cool with a creative player. Yeah. Uh, I think that some of the problems with the druid, uh, I don't know if we outline them very well, is that the bookkeeping is just so much. Yeah. Like, not only do you have to keep track of spells and all of the different spells that you can cast... But you have to keep track of all of the different wild shapes that you can go into. And that is a lot to keep track of. So honestly, like having a like some form of like easy access list of wild shapes that you can go into would be extremely helpful. Just yeah. because whenever you transform into a creature, you take on the stats of those creatures. So you have to know the stats and the abilities that they have. Because those are the stats that you're going to be getting in combat which is oftentimes when you use wild shape. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's what I was going to mention is that in my game, um, it was probably my my longest running campaign. went for about a year. Um, our, I would say our most casual player played a druid. And so this oh. guy, like he, he probably should have been a fighter because he would have had fun no matter what he was doing. Um, but it forced me to really make the game accessible to him. So on Reddit, somebody made a bunch of creature cards. Mm-hmm. It's on a big just a uh, standard size piece of paper. Yeah. And um, I printed them out and then I put them in a binder. And they have a, like a, a condensed version of the stat block. And then I wrote like, you know, this one's flying or swimming or whatever. And so it was very clear what he could and couldn't be. And that alone removed at least like half an hour of just downtime from the game from for us yeah. forever on. Um, the same thing with spells. Uh, there's uh, many resources you can find. I forget the one that I use exactly, but you can print out just the spells um, sorted by level for any class. And so I did the same thing. I put those in a binder. And um, so it sucks that you have to take these steps if you want to have a smooth transition, especially for um, just, I mean, just a regular player. Um, but I think it would help anybody. I would also mention that D&D Beyond makes it easier because you can click yeah. links. 
Um, but it still is going to take time. It still takes time. Honestly, I think that the Wizards of the Coast did a poor job with how they did wild shapes. I think they could have done it much easier and better. But it is like what it is, and to change it would be a lot of work. I would have liked to see it to where you would you take on less of the stats of the creature, and you remain more of your own stats. So instead of like taking on the health, the armor, and all that, it's you kind of just stay at your current health and armor class, and maybe you gain some temporary HP whenever you transform into a creature, mm-hmm. or something like that. Because I think that'd be easier, and then you could just say like these are the only stats which matter, which is like you have a flying speed and you have a claw attack. Like, so I think that would have been an easier solution, but it's it's still cool. Like it's still a fun class. I would like to see something where um, instead of just choosing a monster out of the book, maybe you have a mechanic where you assemble your form oh. out of a couple of different parts. And so let's say I'm just winging it here. You have like three options, but you can only ever choose two. So like basically armor or more damage or like a flying speed or something. Yeah. And you get to just, just assemble and cobble it together. Yeah. And it's a resource that you kind of have between long rests and that way you can you don't have to even open a book. You just say, okay, I know that I get this when I choose that. Build a beast. You build a beast. Build a beast. <laughs> so how would you guys, um, what advice would you give for people that maybe want to play a druid um, for role-playing them? Ooh. Hmm. A good question. I think that if you're, like, number one, know how to play the druid first. Because if you are constantly having to look at the rulebook to figure out what your class does, you're not going to be able to roleplay. So number one is you have to be a player who's going to be engaged, who has a good grasp of the rules, has probably played before. Like this is not an entry level class. Even though I've had a lot of players play it at the (laughs) entry level when they first start playing, I know from experience from them doing that, it is not a fun time. I would definitely recommend playing this is someone who's like played before and knows the rules. And then after that, um, probably just try to keep in mind like your background and what ties you to nature and trying to continually draw that up in your mm-hmm. actions and how you play. I wonder if a more simple solution for a simple solution for getting players into the idea of transforming is you could have a werewolf curse affect them. So they only have to worry about one stat block change and no spells. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's just uh, came to mind. That's interesting. Hmm. That would actually be really cool. Like, you give them the option to be bit by a vampire or something. Well, or werewolf. a werewolf. I think a, what about a vampire? <laughs> a bat. <laughs> just a bat. Just a normal just bat. Just a normal bat. Yeah, I think role-playing a druid, you want to be... I don't know. You got to know what tropes to hold on to and what tropes just ignore. Um, I feel like you should be a little aloof. You should be a little strange. Um, I'm kind of imagining kind of a Jeff Goldblum type, just kind of quirks and odd um, eccentricities. Eccentricities. Eccentricities? Mm -hmm. Wow. What a word. What a word. That's one of them $10 words. Um... No, and I don't know. I feel like you should just be a little odd and strange. It makes it fun. But you shouldn't be so strange or odd or a loner to the point where you don't aren't cohesive with your group. Just channel your inner Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, and don't channel Radagast the Brown. <laughs> That's so true. Amen. Oh, what a garbage. What a garbage man. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting opportunity um and kind of like the monk where you have to pull inspiration from the real world to, to kind of modify it the tropes that you like and don't like and um i don't know i think if i was going to play a druid i would have a really fun backstory yeah, but we'll talk about that a little bit later yeah all right here's the moment you've all been waiting for it's time to talk about our druid character concepts jake what do you got okay so if i was going to play a druid i think i would be a circle of spores druid Maybe multi-classed with a necromancy wizard um, and would just want to raise an undead army um, and really just have kind of the spore infection spread and corpses come alive with new mushrooms growing out of them. Um, Oh, I feel like that would be a really cool character. 
Mushroom Interesting. Man. Mushroom, mushroom. And just be really focused on AoE damage. Because um, I feel like the Spore Druid is like one of the only kind of devoted area of effect damage dealers. Um, that That's that's pretty important in like video games and stuff. Um, especially like World of Warcraft, stuff like that. Like doing damage to multiple things. And kind of having that area uh, damage. Um, but there's not a lot of that in D&D. Um, like, so I, I really w- would lean into that with the spores, um, and the raising the dead. I think that'd be awesome. I would run a, uh, a zoologist druid. So I, um, <laughs> who's the guy who died? The, by Steve Irwin? Irwin? Steve Irwin. So it's just like oh. Steve Irwin. So who's like, I'm imagining, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rip. Oh. Anyways. <laughs> So I'm just imagining like a campaign setting where technology is taking over and you're just trying to preserve nature. So you're you're building your own like wildlife preserve filled with animals that you find along your way that have been displaced. Huh. And you're trying to like bring them back and then establish them in nature. Hmm. As and like you a very, turn into all of them too. As an yeah, and you're like a very animal friendly, like you're probably the um the, the one shepherd? Yeah, the shepherd. Yeah. Like that's a, interesting it'd be like a fun like steve urban character i i like class. the idea of someone going through like the tomb of annihilation or like just going to the jungles of chult um looking for just exotic beasts to yeah. transform into oh like they're just like i because do you guys play it um that the druid can turn into any animal or i don't i think this is a common house rule you can only turn into an animal that you've seen mm-hmm. yeah that's how i run it do you, yeah you, yeah and so I like the idea of just this druid who's kind of power hungry and just wants to be as strong as possible, um, going deep into the jungle trying to find some exotic creature that can yeah. just has the most teeth and the sharpest claws and is the most fast and fierce. It's just so he can turn into it himself. Like I want to be a honey that. badger. <laughs> Isn't that the plot of Jurassic World too? Oh. Well, I haven't seen it. And neither have I. <laughs> neither have I. <laughs> well, then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my character concept is part Circle of the Moon oh. and part Barbarian. Oh. And this oh. this is a person who, um, he's more Barbarian and he's not like this Zen nature lover. He just loses control of himself and transforms into monsters. And then oh, he, I have a character awesome. that wants, a player that wants to do that. And then he berserks and, you know, just eats everything. God, I feel like I'd be so That's dope. Cool. Like you rage and you turn into a giant bear. Yeah. So You're does the rage mauling. work with the animal damage? Um, I would have to read the rules, but in my world it would work. Honestly, yeah, yeah I think that's cool. Because that's so that's so cool. Oh, that's really cool. I'm gonna try to get that guy in my group to play <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, and uh let's head into the question vault. Welcome to the question vault. Every week we answer one of your questions. So you can submit your questions to voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. This time it's from Jack from Tasmania. Again. He says, hi, it's me again. I really want to thank you for answering my question on the podcast as well as a response. What I'm asking this time is, do you have any recommendations for how I can make my homebrew class based off of the witcher my friend and i decided that a good way to get into the rp would make it to be was to make it more relatable to them and easier to understand what i'm planning is to have all of the basic witcher schools that you would hear about but i want one with more spell usage like an owl or something i've been reading so many of the 3.5 and first edition books to get inspiration I just wrote in to see if you or maybe Dave would have a better idea than me. Thank you for your time. Hmm. Well, I have lots of ideas, but I know literally nothing about The Witcher, so... That's true. I don't know much about The Witcher either. I haven't played any of the games, sadly. I I actually have the first two on Steam. I just... You know know how your Steam library just kind of fills up and then you never play those games? That's... (laughs) It's kind of where I'm at right now. Rich, rich person problem. <laughs> so, um, I guess as the only person here who has played The Witcher and really loved it, um, in The Witcher, their spells are called signs. Okay. And uh, they're pretty. 
at least in The Witcher 3, they start out at a low level. So, like, for instance, there's one called Igni, which is yeah. fire. And so at the lowest level, it's a small burst of, like, sparks. And, at, and as you get bigger, it's, it's a bigger blast. So I'm curious. So he's making a homebrew class inside 5e. It's hard. Yeah, to make it like The Witcher. So what I would recommend is I'm sure other people have tried this, is just look around at other house rule classes that people have made that kind of fit that mold. Oh, that's true. A bad bunch of people have done that. Yeah. yeah, and then kind of take the parts that you like the most. The thing that was really cool about The Witcher is that there was no spell slots, um, and the, the spells recharge very quickly. It has something kind of like a mana system. Um, but the spells were almost always more like tools. So there's one that is like a, it puts a circle on the ground, and when enemies come into it, they're slowed down. Do you only get one spell, or like how no, often do you, you get spells? Uh, so you have a wheel that has like a dozen different spell effects, yeah. and you choose how to upgrade them. Oh. So like unlike Skyrim, which like, has can you like, change the upgrades? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but like Skyrim has hundreds of different spells, and yeah. then Witcher has just like these dozen that yeah. you kind of focus and upgrade themselves. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like what I would do, um, based off of what I'm learning is you could do a like a progression system where every few levels you get to choose uh, a new spell or a new type of spell which you would um, unlock and then based on that spell um, that spell or you could upgrade a spell Mm -hmm. or maybe the spell levels up as you gain levels Mm -hmm. so like you start out like with a really small like burning hands that you can cast and then it goes up and it's like now it's fireball and then it's like meteor strike like Dang. as you go up like you gain access to these different features and i would base it in probably more of a fighter class so it's basically like a fighter with extra spells mm-hmm. that they can cast but not very many so that's yeah. that's i would i and i would look in there's a lot of homebrew resources so i definitely look into that thanks for the question jack from tasmania it's very interesting let us know how it goes so uh, next up, we have our review corner. So welcome to the review corner. Every week, we read our favorite five-star reviews from iTunes. This week's review is from Meg Holler, who writes, quote, This podcast is awesome. I was laughing literally in the first minute. Not to mention the sound quality is excellent, which is hard to find. And to top it off, the intro music reminds me of Stranger Things, an automatic win in my book. Definitely a must subscribe. Hmm. Uh, thank you, Meg. Um, just wanted to let everyone know that uh, the intro and outro music is done by an artist I know. He goes by, well, the artist is Shadru. Um, and he is really, really good. Um, so you can find his stuff on Bandcamp or SoundCloud. Just search Shadru. Thanks for the review, Meg. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana, episode 26. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at Vox Arcana Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram are at Vox Arcana Podcast. And our email is Vox Arcana Podcast at gmail.com. This episode contains no nuts, gluten, or animal products. Yet. <laughs>